Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the future radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, November 11th, 2018, and we are live tonight. We have a very exciting show uh, planned for you tonight. It's been a busy, busy week. It seems like, you know, two weeks of events happened since the last time we talked, unless you watch my Facebook Live broadcast, because I just broadcast it on Friday. But since last Sunday, it seems like two weeks of events have happened. We had midterm elections that took place, and we, we saw some shockers, and there's still some races that still have to be determined. They're still counting. And we saw a blue wave did happen, and more and more uh, elections are going the way of Democrats as well. We also saw that Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, Donald Trump's attorney general, was forced to resign the day after midterm elections. We saw Trump held a debacle of a press conference, pointing blame at everybody else except himself. But that's what a narcissist does. We saw him uh, leaving to go uh, 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 abroad on Friday, and we saw another debacle of a press conference. We saw Trump attack six African-American women uh, just in the, uh, from between uh, Wednesday and Friday. We saw him attack six African-American women. He's losing his mind, and that does not include Maxine Waters. That does not include Maxine Waters either, okay? So all of this has taken place. We see the uh, election in uh, Georgia. We see that race is too close to call, even though uh, Secretary of State Brian Kemp has uh, declared victory. No, they're still counting. Okay, we see in Florida a recount has been uh, 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 declared by the Secretary of State in Florida uh, for the three top uh, races. We see that taking place also. All right, so, I mean, this past week so much has happened. That doesn't include the uh, bombshell article from the Wall Street Journal. Donald Trump played central role in hush payoffs to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. Say it ain't so, Donald, because you stood up here and told these blatant lies. Oh, no, this is getting worse and worse day by day for the philanderer-in-chief, the Manchurian candidate. Oh, the liar-in-chief. Donald Trump played central role in hush payoffs to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. Trump knows the walls are closing in. He knows that mother... Now, the uh, report came out between yesterday and today that Mueller has a number of sealed indictments, ready to go any day now. Oh, Trump is running scared. And you can look at the statements he's making, the lies he continues to tell. You can see this, okay? This is an example of how elections have consequences. So on tonight's show, we'll talk about Trump uh, uh, attacking six African-American women in the past three days. Uh, we'll talk about Stacey Abrams. She did a Facebook Live broadcast today. We have uh, that audio for you. Uh, Stacey Abrams vows to uh, keep fighting in the Georgia uh, gubernatorial race. Okay. We see that uh, Andrew Gillum, the night of the election, we see he conceded. Now, the con that, that, that concession did not stop the count. The concession is just uh, something that's uh, uh, ceremony. It's just ceremony. Okay. It does not stop the count. does not mean it can't, can't be rescinded. All right. He did a press conference on Saturday and said he's rescinding that concession 
and he wants the uh, and, and there's going to be a recount. Secretary of State in Florida has declared a recount. So uh, he he said that it, this may not change the uh, final verdict, but he wants every vote counted. Every legal vote should be counted. Okay, uh, so we'll, we'll deal with that as well. We'll talk some about the midterm elections. What happened then? In the Botham Shem John case, we have somewhat of an update there, okay, coming out of Dallas, Texas, because there's been a newly elected uh, Dallas County DA who's African-American, African-American male, and he says that the appropriate charge for Amber Geiger is murder, based upon what he knows right now. We'll talk some about that as well. And then also, we know that Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, Donald Trump's attorney general, we know that he uh, was forced to resign on Wednesday, the day after elections. And then it's a whole debacle in the person who Trump um, put in uh, as, a, as the acting AG. This is somebody who's not confirmed by the U.S. Senate. This is somebody who was not in succession to be acting AG. He just totally skipped over Rod Rosenstein, who was next in line, because Trump is trying to shut down the Mueller investigation, and, and if not shut it down, he's really trying to put restrictions on the Mueller investigation. So Matthew Whitaker has a, all types of uh, conflicts with him, okay, um, and, and go back and watch. I did a, a few broadcasts this past week. One of them was dealing with uh, one of them was from Wednesday, uh, the day that uh, Sessions was fired or, or forced to resign. So go watch that. You can watch it on Facebook or on YouTube. Michael M. Hotep on um, Facebook. Uh, Michael, Michael M. Hotep on YouTube and the African History Network show on Facebook. So check those out. Okay. Then also, uh, you but but but. The one, the last thing Sessions did when he left, and this is not getting a lot of coverage because there's been so much going on. Sessions and the last minute act sharply limited the use of consent decrees to curb police abuses in police departments. Now, this has been a fight that civil rights organizations and others have had with this administration because, unlike the Obama administration, Sessions does not want to hold police officers accountable. He's backed off of using consent decrees. Okay? So this is an example of how elections have consequences. So we'll talk about this and some other things tonight on the African History Network show. Now, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Sign up for the email newsletter at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, or text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, to sign up for uh, our email newsletter as well, okay? All right. So, um, 
And I and let's see, what was the last broadcast I did? I did one Friday. Uh, you have to check them out. We put some of them up on uh, an audio podcast form also, okay, at uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show. All right, so if we look at uh, just briefly what took place on Tuesday, the election, right? Over 100 million people came out uh, to vote in midterm elections, setting a record for midterm elections. Now, I did a broadcast on Tuesday also because there were a number of irregularities that took place. There were broken machines. There were long lines. There were rejected ballots. All this taking place. A lot of, a lot of these irregularities were taking place in Georgia. Okay? I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but a lot, of, a lot of these irregularities were taking place in Georgia. So there were two good articles from the Washington Post, one November 6th and one November 7th. Broken machines, rejected ballots, and long lines, voting problems emerge as Americans go to the polls. Who would have thought that all these problems would take place, right? And then in Florida, what now was interesting in Florida, now I, I, I was watching this on MSNBC. I was watching this take place. I watched the announcement of the of the recount that's going to take place. And what's interesting in Florida is that you have um, Rick Scott, Governor Rick Scott, and also Donald Trump and people like um, Republican uh, Florida Congressman Matt Gates, and then also now little Marco, Marco Rubio, insinuating or saying outright that there's fraud involved, but providing absolutely no evidence to substantiate the claims of fraud. Because in the lawsuits that Republicans file in Florida, there's nothing in the lawsuit alleging fraud. There's nothing in the lawsuit alleging criminal acts or anything like this. But this is what these people are saying in interviews. Okay? So I just find that, I find that very interesting. So and and we see that Broward County, um, we see that they they uh, they had not finished the count. They had an inordinate amount of absentee ballots that came into Broward County, but it has a high population of non-white people also. So you see, um, Rick Scott, Governor Rick Scott, uh, making accusations about Broward County and the um, the, the uh, the county, county clerk there who was uh, appointed by Jeb Bush, okay, before Governor Jeb Bush, right? But if there was a problem with her, you're the governor, why didn't you fix it? If, the, if there was a problem with her and there's been a problem for some time, you're the governor, why didn't you fix it? Okay? So, broken mission, and also, hey, we're broadcasting on Facebook Live 9, 10 a.m. Superstation on Facebook. Follow us there. We're going to get our Facebook Live broadcast up for the African History Network. Awesome. I have a problem with the signal here in the, uh, in the studio. But broken machines, rejected ballots, and long lines, voting problems emerge as Americans go to the polls. So you had civil rights groups and election officials who fielded thousands of reports of voting irregularities across the country on Tuesday, November 6th. Now, by... Um, by 11.30 a.m., they had, they had taken about 10,000 calls about irregularities with voting. And voters complaining were complaining about broken machines, long lines, and untrained poll workers improperly challenging Americans' right to vote. Now, the loudest of those complaints came from Georgia, where issues of race and, and ballot access 
and election fairness uh, have fueled an acrimonious governor's contest between uh, Democrat Stacey Abrams and Republican Brian Kemp. Now, remember, just a couple weeks ago, uh, Donald Trump said that Stacey Abrams was unqualified to uh, be governor. Okay, and, and see, Trump has a history of attacking the intelligence of African-Americans. Okay, and especially African-American women. And he keeps going after Maxine Waters. He calls her low IQ, things like that. If we look at um, the article from thinkprogress.org from October 20 of 2018, Trump says gubernator Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams is unqualified. That's flat wrong. Okay. And not only that, she is she has a law degree from Yale University. This is a brilliant, brilliant sister. But Trump always likes to attack the intelligence of African Americans, which is is more um racial dog whistling to a lot of his uh supporters. Okay? All right, so uh let's continue. So uh, Stacey Abrams, a former state lawmaker would be the nation's first African-American governor, while Secretary of State Brian Kemp, who, over, who over, uh, was overseeing the election, has faced accusations of trying to suppress the minority vote. Now, over the past few days, he resigned his position. First of all, he cleared victory, but, but, but the, um, the, the major news outlets have, not, have said the race is too close to call. Brian, Secretary of State Brian Kemp claimed victory, and then he resigned as Secretary of State, okay? And he says that the uh, transition process has already started. Now, five Georgia, if we look at the uh, article from uh, November 7th, I know we're coming up on a break here. November 7th, this is from the Associated Press, picked up by the Washington Post. Broken voting machines, long lines under scrutiny in Georgia. Five Georgia voters sued Secretary of State Brian Kemp on Election Day, November 6th, asking a judge to prevent Brian Kemp from exercising his duties as the state's top elections official for, for anything having to do with Tuesday's election, including certifying results or administering any possible runoff or recount. This is why Brian Kemp resigned, because of that lawsuit. This is what a lot of people don't know, okay? The lawsuit says that Brian Kemp presiding over an election in which he is a candidate, quote, violates a basic notion of fairness, end quote. This is the reason why Brian Kemp resigned, okay, because of that lawsuit. All right, we're coming up on the break. You listen to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. When we come back, we'll talk about Trump's attack on six African-American women just in the past three days. And then we're going to play a clip from Maxine Waters. From this morning on AM Joy, you don't want to miss that. We'll be back in a few minutes. 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll talk to you in a few minutes. Reading is imperative, family. Remember, it was illegal for our ancestors to read and gain knowledge of self. Still to this day, we lack a knowledge of self, especially this younger generation. DTR 360 Books has the books for you to develop and add to your knowledge in this world we live in. DTR 360 Books is one of the fastest growing online bookstores and it provides books dealing with finance, history, business, children's books, and more. Their motto is applied knowledge is true power. 
as the Bible states, faith without works is dead. So their thing is applying the knowledge that which you receive from these books. Visit their website today, dtr360books.com, dtr360books.com, and you can find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Mel Trek is an animated series that teaches our children about their greatness. Episode 1 deals with exploring ancient Africa, where they go back in time and visit various African civilizations and the contributions that they gave to the world. Episode 2 deals with exploring pre-Columbian Americas and the children journey back in time to learn about several aboriginal cultures, defining structures and nations who arrived in the Americas before Christopher Columbus. This is a great teaching tool for homeschooling and the classroom, and they teach our children that their history did not start in slavery. We have the videos as well as the coloring book and storybook available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have a Mail Trek bundle pack on sale right now for $79.99, and it includes all three episodes of Afro Man and the protectors of the book of knowledge. Get this great gift and teaching tool for your children today at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Ed Anime Productions presents Mel Trek, Episode 1, Exploring Ancient Africa. Witness the most accurate historical account of African and African-American people. A story that has never been told like this before. Join Bunchy, Chen, Percy, Michelle, and Jesse as they open their third eyes and are sent back in time by their magical teacher, Ms. Lawford. They begin their adventure in ancient Africa and the Nile Valley. There, they meet a young Egyptian boy named Ramesses. Using hip-hop, funky beats, and rhymes, Ramesses teaches the children about the great kingdoms of Africa. They explore the Nile Valley. The Nile Valley was a place of Ghana. Ghana is the first stop. Land of the gold that they sold non-stop. Mali and Songhai. Mali and Songhai must have had some serious armies. The Congo. The Congo region is beautiful. Zimbabwe. <laughs> Zimbabwe is where we land. And Zulu. Witness the mental and spiritual transformation of the characters. Not only will they transform, but you will also as you travel with Meltrek. Let's resurrect the spirit of our ancestors inside all of us and recall that we all come from greatness so we can be great. We're going to do a different time zone where our ancestors always sat down the throne. Yeah, and I'm talking about you and me. Our big location considered greatness and royalty. So rise up, sons and daughters of a KB land. It's time to claim our riches and take back our land. So come and take this journey, and when you come back, tell your friends and family all about the mail track. Mail track, 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 mail
My name is Martisha Patterson, and I am here to help. Whether you have questions about credit, retirement, taxes, investments, or meeting day-to-day -day responsibilities, you deserve access to a qualified, caring, and resourceful financial professional. As a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry, I have a passion for helping people gain confidence and become successful with money. Taking control of your finances creates options instead of obstacles, confidence instead of uncertainty. Make no mistake, this is an important step for all of us. Will you allow your situation to control you or will you take control and make your money behave? My name is Martisha Patterson. Call or email me today to schedule an appointment. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384 or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. Yeah, Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation. Future Radio AI. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, November 11, 2018, and uh, we're talking about um, what happened this past Tuesday with midterm elections. We're talking about the fallout. <laughs> the next day, Wednesday, Trump is losing his mind, firing Jefferson Borgar Sessions III, his attorney general, uh, forcing his resignation. Um, and then also uh, attacking six African-American women. Uh, we're talking about what's, I mean, it, it, you have two weeks of events that took place since last Sunday. I mean, really since Tuesday. You have two weeks of events that took place since last Tuesday, okay? So we're uh, covering all of this. And, and watch the um, my Facebook Live broadcast that, that I've been doing as well because, uh, I, I cover, I can go more in depth into some of these uh, events. And I've done, I think, three or four Facebook Live broadcasts this past week, okay, outside of the show here. All right, so let's go back to the article from November 6th, Election Day. Broken machines, rejected ballots, and long lines, voting problems emerge as Americans go to the polls, all right? And we saw a number of irregularities taking place. Uh, across the country, and a lot of this stuff was going on in Georgia, okay? So, now, Stacey Abrams, a former state lawmaker, would be the nation's first African-American uh, female governor, while Secretary of State Brian Kemp, who oversees elections, has faced accusations of trying to suppress the minority vote, okay? And uh, before the break, I was talking about how there was a lawsuit that was filed from five Georgia voters, who sued Secretary of State Brian Kemp on November 6th, Election Day, asking a judge to prevent Kemp from exercising his duties as the state's top elections official for anything having to do with Tuesday's election, including certifying, including certifying results or administering any possible runoff or recount. This is the reason why Brian Kemp resigned. Now, in one downtown Atlanta precinct, voters waited three hours to cast ballots after local election officials initially sent only three voting machines to serve more than 3,000 registered voters. In suburban Gwinnett County, the wait surpassed four hours as election officials opened the polls only to discover their voting machines were not working at all, voters said. Both locations serve predominantly African-American voters, feeding worries among some voters that specific groups were being disenfranchised among, amid signs of record turnout for a midterm election. Okay, 
Um, now, the chairman of the Gwinnett County Democratic Party's name is Gabe Okoya. He said, look at the people here. Okay, he said, if you're only going to play, if you're going to play tricks anywhere, you're going to do it here. And he watched mostly African-American voters enter and leave the voting location. He said, see the demo, uh, uh, demography of these voters. All right. So the wave of complaints from voters came at the end of a campaign season dominated by concerns about ballot access and voting rights. It remained unclear Tuesday how many of the complaints were legitimate, how many uh, voters were affected, and whether the problems would affect the outcome of any races. Okay, so check out uh, the rest of the, check out the rest of this article because it goes in depth into a lot of these voting irregularities that were taking place in different counties and different cities across the country. This is from November 6, uh, 2018, Election Day. Broken machines, rejected ballots, and long lines. Voting problems emerge as Americans go to the polls. And I did a uh, Facebook Live broadcast that I put also on YouTube from uh, that day, uh, from Tuesday also, okay? All right, now, let's continue here. Okay, so we have... Um, in when we look at Georgia, all right, and uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution uh, has a really good article that was updated about an hour ago, and this deals with what's going on in the Georgia race. And we're going to go to uh, in just a minute. We'll go to Stacy uh, the the um, the broadcast Stacy Abrams did earlier today. We'll go to th that in just a minute. But Georgia election update: Kemp's lead shrinks. Abrams to file new lawsuit. Kemp's lead shrinks. Abrams to file new lawsuit. Um, and yeah, this was okay. This was updated three hours ago. Now I had to refresh my screen. So the unsettled race for Georgia governor tightened over the weekend as Democrat Stacey Abrams prepared litigation to force the counting of more provisional ballots, while Republican Brian Kemp's campaign said her refusal to concede was, quote-unquote, a disgrace to democracy. Well, all the, all the ballots haven't been counted yet. So how is this a disgrace to democracy? Did you say it was a disgrace to democracy when it took weeks for, uh, what's his name, Roy Moore down in Alabama to concede? Republican, who, who was accused of being a, 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 a pedophile? <laughs> now, the clash heightened as a as a, uh, a cache of 5,500 provisional and mail-in ballots were reported that showed Kemp's lead over Abrams shrinking slightly to about 59,000 votes. Some came from counties that days earlier reported all votes had been tallied. So look, look, see, see, this is why now there's pressure on Stacey Abrams to concede. But she's saying, wait a second, all these votes aren't, haven't been counted, and then also Friday night on MSNBC, I think it was all in with Chris Hayes, her campaign manager was on, and her campaign manager said that about 30,000 uh, ballots were found that had not been counted. Okay? The clash heightened as a cache of 5,500 provisional and mail-in ballots were reported that showed Brian Kemp's lead over Abrams shrinking slightly to about 59,000 votes. Some came from counties that days earlier reported all votes had been tallied. Okay? Now, 
the newly reported votes overwhelmingly titled to Stacey Abrams and triggered a wave of celebration for Abrams supporters. But she still needs to net about 22,000 votes to force a December 4th runoff. And there aren't many votes that have yet to be reported. There are not many votes that have yet to be reported. It is unclear, however, just how many votes are still outstanding. Brian Kemp's campaign said uh, there are so few remaining that it's mathematically impossible for Abrams to win. But Stacey Abrams said there's a larger uh, group or cache of votes still unreported. No major, Now, this is important. No major media outlet has yet called the race. They said it's too close to call. No major media outlet said the race is over. Brian Kemp is the declared winner, nothing. And with a margin this tight, they are likely awaiting the certification of the votes this week. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution does not call election contests. Okay, so uh, earlier today, this at sometime this afternoon, Stacey Abrams did a broadcast on Facebook. Let's listen to what she said. Hello, Team Abrams, Team Georgia, Team Democracy. This is Stacey Abrams, and I wanted to talk to you today about why we are fighting so hard. On December 4th, there will be runoffs across the state, but there's actually one election that's not a runoff. It's a do-over. Back in May, Dan Gassaway ran for office in his state legislative seat, and at the end of that election in May, he discovered that there was discrepancy in the votes. Now, in that election, Republicans didn't clamor for him to step down. They didn't demand that he concede. They supported their colleague who did his own investigation, who pulled out plat maps and looked at real estate and figured out that thousands of voters had been misallocated and that their votes weren't going to count. And because of that, he's getting a do-over, granted by a state court judge on December 4th. This isn't a great runoff. This is simply him getting a chance to do what the judge said, which is that people should have confidence that their votes matter, that when their votes are cast, they should count. And that's what we're doing here in this election. That's why we continue to fight. We continue to fight because it's not whether I win or lose. I'd love to win. I want to win. But that's not the point. The point is that the system has to work. The point is we have to have confidence in that system, that our democracy is bounded together by our common belief that what we do matters, that our votes matter, and that every vote counts, no matter where you start, no matter how you think, no matter what you believe. You see, the reality is 30,000 extra votes are out there. They may be for me, they may be for my opponent, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that we know where every vote is and that no one's vote gets discarded because someone decided it's time up. Because that's not how this works. Dan Gassaway lost his election on May 22nd and it took until September for a court to say he gets a do-over. I want Georgia's democracy to work for all of us. And I want that to mean something. And that means we're going to keep fighting, we're going to keep investigating, and we're going to keep reporting the truth. But I want to say thank you to you, because this is hard. It's hard not to just reach for closure and say, oh, well. It's hard not to just give up. But it's your spirit, your emails, your text messages, your Facebook posts, your Instagram posts. It's those tweets that you're sending out that say, keep fighting, because you know what I know. This isn't about me. It's about us. On, on the Sunday, I'm thinking about a sermon that Dr. King gave about the Good Samaritan. 
And he talks about the fact that when we think about the Good Samaritan, we often reflect on him stopping to help that one person on the side of the road. But what Dr. King reminds us is that somebody should have fixed the road. Somebody should have made sure muggers weren't doing wrong and hurting people. That it's good that the Samaritan stopped, but what would have been better is fixing the system. And that's what I'm here to do, to make sure that our system works for everyone, Democrat, Republican, Independent. Because democracy demands that we do our best every day for everyone. So thank you for standing with me as we continue to fight. Okay, so that was uh, Stacey Abrams from her uh, Facebook page. Follow her on Facebook, Stacey Abrams. She has about 130,000 followers, I think it is, something like that. But that was from earlier today. That was sometime this afternoon, okay? So uh, it's not over in Georgia. And as Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported today, no major media outlet has yet called the race. And with a margin this tight, they are likely awaiting the certification of the votes this week. So... Um, I think just look, you know, Brian, Brian Kemp and, and Trump <laughs> and the Republicans, they're the only ones calling this race. OK, Trump said Trump tweeted that uh, basically Stacey Abrams should move on. It's like, no, the fight, the fight isn't over yet. OK. All right. So then in Florida, you have um, Andrew Gillum, who conceded Tuesday night now uh, on uh, Roland Martin's um Daily Digital Show on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Tuesday evening, he did a five-hour live broadcast of election coverage and the returns and things like this. It was from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. And uh, he talked to the Gillum campaign, and they said the reason why uh, Andrew Gillum conceded uh, that night was because based upon how far behind he was, in the votes and based upon the number of votes that were still out there to be counted, they didn't think they could make up the ground. Okay. But him conceding did not stop the count. Okay. However, a, um, a recount has been called for, uh, Florida for the, uh, three top, uh, uh, races. Okay. The agriculture, the secretary of agriculture and the, uh, governor and the Senate race as well. Okay. Um, the Associated Press has an article about this. AOL.com picked it up. Uh, other uh, news outlets have picked it up also. Florida election recounts underway as tensions rise. Okay. And this is from uh, this morning. And so the recount was announced yes- yesterday. It's supposed to start this morning about 8 a.m., uh, something like that. But the first election workers. Uh, have begun the enormous task of recounting ballots in Florida's bitterly close races for the U.S. Senate and governor ramping up their efforts after the Secretary of State ordered a review of the two nationally watched contests, okay? So you have those two contests, but the third one that they uh, ordered a recount for was for the um, Secretary of Agriculture there for the state of Florida. Now, Miami-Dade County election officials began feeding ballots into scanning machines Saturday evening. The tedious uh, work in in, uh, that one South Florida county alone could take days, considering some 800,000 ballots were cast. Multiply that by 67 counties in the nation's uh, third most populous state, Florida, and the scope of the task was beginning to sink in Sunday. 
Now, you had people outside of uh, yesterday, you had protests outside of the um, um, the county office there, uh, county clerk's office, I guess it was, there in Broward County, okay? And you had a lot of uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, re uh, re Republican uh, candidate for governor, Ron DeSantis supporters out there shouting, lock, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up, okay, for the... Uh, county clerk there in Broward County, who's an African American female, all right. Yet they, yet when the Republicans filed their lawsuits in court over the uh, election proceedings, they didn't cite any criminal acts. There's no evidence of any criminal acts. So why are you saying lock her up? Lock her up for what? That when they filed, when Republicans filed the lawsuit. There were no allegations of any criminal acts. So why are these white people out there calling for this African-American woman to be locked up? And you're in the deep south. You're in Florida, which has a whole history of racism towards African-Americans. Now, the Florida Secretary of State ordered the recounts Saturday, an unprecedented step for the two flagship races in the state that took five weeks to decide the 2000 presidential election. Secretary of State Ken Detzner's office said it was unaware of any other time either a race for governor or U.S. Senate in Florida required a recount, let, let alone both in the same election. Okay? Now, Florida's 67 counties can decide when to begin their recounts, but most uh, but but most complete the but must complete them by this coming Thursday. Election officials in two large counties in the Tampa Bay area, uh, Pinellas and Hillsborough, said they would begin recounts Sunday morning. All right. Now unofficial results show that Republican former U.S. Representative Ron DeSantis led Democratic Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum by less than 0. .4 uh, than half a percentage point. Okay. Is actually last I saw. Uh, Gillum is behind by about 33,000 votes. So he's about uh, 0.4 percentage points behind. Okay. This is an example, right, of how every vote counts. This is an example. Now, in Florida, you had 5 million registered voters who did not vote in this midterm election. You had Gillum is less than half a percentage point behind. You have 5 million registered voters in Florida who did not vote in this midterm election. Now, um, in the Senate race, Governor Rick Scott led over Democratic incumbent Bill Nelson in less, by less than a quarter of a percentage point. Less than a quarter of a percentage point. The difference is somewhere around uh, 12,000, a little less than 13,000 um, uh, votes, if I remember correctly, in this one. It's less than a quarter of a percentage point. They're fighting tooth and nail for every vote. Okay? And this end... Um, and, and that, that's going to be a recount there, okay? And this requires a hand recount of ballots from tabulation machines that could not determine which candidate got the vote. Because there's a problem also with the location for the U.S. Senate race. NBCnews.com has a good article about this. The location of on the ballot uh, there in Broward County, because the ballot is going to change a little bit from county to county because you have those local races within the cities, within the counties. So where the uh, 
um, option for the U.S. senator race on the ballot appears, some people think there's a problem with the, um, that location. Either people didn't see it or they marked it off. But for some reason, some people think there was an error in the machines tabulating it. How Whatever it is, is going to be a hand count for that um, that election for, for the U.S. Senate. Now, the recount, the, the recount opens against a backdrop of political tensions. Donald Trump on Saturday tweeted without evidence, without any evidence that the elections were being stolen. Okay, so Trump is putting this out. So then you have then you have these Ron DeSantis supporters outside the election office calling for this African-American woman to be locked up. Okay, and a lot of them are feeding off of this nonsense that Trump and Rick Scott, Rick Scott was on um, uh, one. He did a press conference Two, he was on Fox News. Okay, insinuating that they're trying to steal the election. No, they're trying to make sure every vote is counted. Angry protesters gathered at an elections office in Broward County on Saturday, waving signs and shouting with bullhorns. Following the announcement of a recount, Andrew Gillum withdrew his concession in the governor's race. Okay, so let's go to um, a a clip of he did about a 20 minute press conference yesterday. Let's go to a clip of uh, Andrew Gillum from Saturday. And this is from CNN. Get started. You know, honestly, Anna, it could happen at any minute. Uh, the way that recounts work here in Florida is that they're administered individually by each county. So depending on how the supervisors of elections want to handle their recount, as long as they get it done by next Thursday, they can start whenever they would like. So there is the possibility that the recount could start in some places as late as today, or we do think most of them will start first thing tomorrow morning. And, you know, we're already starting to hear the candidates react to this news that these races are so close that they're going to require a recount. Uh, Many hearkening back to that uh, dramatic 2000 presidential election where Florida was at the center of all the attention because of a dramatic recount. In fact, we just heard from a few minutes ago, I just left a press conference with Andrew Gillum, who's the mayor of Tallahassee and who also uh, was the Democratic nominee for governor. You'll remember on election night, he actually conceded the race for governor. Well, he's talking a little bit differently about that concession today. Listen to what Gillum had to say. I am replacing uh, my words of concession with an uncompromised and unapologetic call that we count every single vote. We count every vote. Uh, And I say this recognizing uh, that uh, my fate in this may or may not change. Uh, What I do know is that every single Floridian who took time to go out, to cast their vote, to participate in this process, deserve uh, the comfort of knowing that in a democratic society and in this process, every vote will be counted. And so you heard Gillum there saying that he's replacing his concession, essentially withdrawing it. But he also makes it clear that he doesn't necessarily think that the outcome of this race is going to change. And privately, uh, many of his aides feel the same way. They do believe that that margin of victory is perhaps too much for them to overcome, even in a recount. That's not the same tune they're singing in the Senate race. Anna, the margins are much closer there. That's where Democrats are focused. They do believe that there are enough votes for Bill Nelson to overtake uh, Rick Scott, who's, of course, the current governor. But, Anna, we've got a long way to go before we know how this thing all turns out. 
Okay, so that's from um, that's from CNN. That's from yesterday. Okay, there was also a good clip from um, MSNBC, and uh, we don't have time to play it, but uh, it's from Belshian Rule on Saturday. Florida Secretary of State orders statewide machine recount for Senate and Governor races. Okay, so check that out. Also, that's from uh, Saturday, November tenth, two thousand eighteen. MSNBC.com. Belshian Rule. Check that one out as well. All right, so all this took place this past week, all right? And we're going to get to, uh, in a couple minutes here, we'll get to Trump attacking African-American women um, as well. That continues also. All right, so there was a, a, a big article from Washington Post from November 9th, and it's, it's um, the news outlets were talking about it, MSNBC, it's a, a, a trending, it was a trending article on uh, Washington Post uh, website for Democrats midterm election that keeps on giving for Democrats midterm election that keeps on giving in the early hours of election night on Tuesday, a consensus began to take hold that the vaunted democratic blue wave that had been talked about all year was failing to materialize. Now with a handful of races still to be called, because you have, I think, four more congressional races that have to be called in California. There are about 10 more that need to be called overall. One was just called, uh, I think it was yesterday, okay, a uh, longtime congressman who is an um, uh, ally of Trump and Russian ties. He was voted out as well, okay? So you have about 10 more that still need to be called. You have a few more, probably about three or four U.S. Senate races that still need to be called also. Now, with a handful of races still to be called, it's clear that an anti-Donald Trump, anti-President Trump force hit the country with considerable, if uneven, strength. Democrats appear poised to pick up between 35 to 40 seats in the House of Representatives. They already, they've already taken control of the House of Representatives, okay, based upon the number of races that have already been called. So they're going to take control. Um, they get sworn in January 3rd, January 3rd, 2019, okay? So uh, once uh, the last races are tallied according to uh, strategy, uh, strategists in both parties, Democrats will uh, are poised to pick up between 35 to 40 seats in the House of Representatives. That would represent the biggest Democratic gain in the House of Representatives since the post-Watergate election of 1974. That's what happened Tuesday night. The biggest Democratic gain in the House of Representatives since the post-Watergate election of 1974, when the party picked up 49 seats three months after Richard Nixon resigned the presidency. Okay, he resigned. He announced his resignation August uh, 8th of 1974. Now, Republicans will gain seats in the U.S. Senate, but with races in Florida and Arizona still to be called, Okay, U.S. Senate races in Florida and Arizona still to be called. Their uh, pre-election majority of 51 seats will end up as low as 52 seats or as high as 54 seats. Meanwhile, Democrats gained seven governorships, recouping in part losses sustained in 2010 to 2014. Like here in the state of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer uh, was elected to be governor. Okay, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist, African-American. Okay. Uh, also here in um, uh, Michigan, you have uh, uh, a female, uh, the uh, Democrat won for 
uh, Attorney General as well, uh, Nessel. I can't remember how to pronounce the last name. Meanwhile, Democrats gained seven governorships, recouping in part losses sustained in 2010 and 2014, and picked up hundreds of state legislative seats uh, where they had suffered a virtual wipeout in the previous two midterm elections. So it was a little more than 300 uh, state legislative seats. Now, over the eight years of President Obama, they lost about 900 state legislative seats. They gained about a third of those back Tuesday. All right. Uh, the Democrats' gains this uh, this week are, are still uh, far short of what Republicans accomplished in their historic victories in 94 and 2010. And a lot of that in 2010 was a backlash to President Obama and definitely a backlash to the Affordable Health Care Act. That was the rise of the Tea Party in the midterm elections of 2010. But they would eclipse the number of seats Democrats gained in 2006, uh, the last time the party recaptured control of the House of Representatives, as well as the 26 seat gain in 1982 when the national unemployment rate was at 10%. Okay, 1982 national unemployment rate at 10%. This year the election took place with the uh, national unemployment rate at just 3.7%. Uh, now, the Democratic wave hit hardest in suburban districts. The Democratic wave hit hardest in suburban districts, many of them traditional Republican territory, where college-educated voters, particularly women, dissatisfied with the uh, with Donald Trump with the Donald Trump-backed uh, uh, Democratic challengers. Okay, uh, Ronald Brown, uh, Brownstein of the of the Atlantic and CNN. Uh, the Atlantic publication, and CNN, who has closely tracked these changes over many elections, noted in a post-election article that before the election, two-thirds of Republicans represented congressional districts where the percentage of the population with college degrees was below the national average, okay? Two-thirds, before the midterm election, two-thirds of Republicans represented congressional districts where the percentage of the population with college degrees was below the national average. The national average is somewhere around 30%, okay, with college degrees, the national average. After the election, he estimated more than three-quarters of GOP House members now will represent districts that um, rep represent people who, let's see, who um, – uh, have a majority population with college degrees, okay? So you had a lot of college-educated people, especially in the suburbs, who came out and voted against Trump. A lot of them were women, okay? Now, it didn't help Stacey Abrams because about 76% of white women, about 76% of white women voted for Ron DeSantis, okay, in Georgia. Georgia is a former Confederate state. And in... Um, in Florida, it was about right around 75%, I think it was, of white women voted for, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kemp. About 75 or 76% of white women voted for Kemp in Georgia, uh, voted against Stacey Abrams, and about that same percentage voted for Ron DeSantis in Florida for governor also. All right. Okay, so check out that, um, check out that article as well from the Washington Post is from November 9th for Democrats, a midterm election that keeps on giving. And there's still some um, races that still have to be called. And this is an example of how 
every vote counts and needs to be counted. And people on both sides are fighting tooth and nail for every vote also. All right. Okay, so this past week, between Wednesday and Friday, we saw Donald Trump lash out and attack six African-American women. This doesn't this does this this does not include his already usual attacks on Maxine Waters. Newsweek.com has a good article about this. And then April Ryan um, wrote a good article for the Washington Post uh, from yesterday, uh, from November 10th. Uh, April Ryan, I'm a black woman. Trump loves insulting people like me. The type of comments he makes over and over leaves little doubt about what he really thinks of us. Okay, but Donald Trump, who defended himself against claims of racism just this past week, has attacked six prominent African-American women in three days since the midterm elections that resulted in Democrats taking control of the House of Representatives for Republicans. Trump challenged the women's intelligence and in a degrading tone called one nasty uh, and another one a loser. He called April Ryan a loser. This was Friday before uh, he got on uh, Air Force One, before he, he uh, went to, uh, abroad, uh, went to France, he, um, it, or, or, no, Great Britain, wherever he was, he called April Ryan a loser, okay, and he uh, attacked uh, Abby Phillips as well, okay. He also said he was being asked a racist question by Yamiche Alcindor and a stupid question as well. He called Abby Phillips' question a stupid question. So the, the women range from journalists to an election official, uh, a, a politician, and a former first lady, okay? Uh, we saw him go after Michelle Obama. We saw him go after April Ryan. We saw him go after Abby Phillips, uh, Ab Ab Abby Phillip of uh, CNN, CNN White House correspondent. Yamiche Alcindor is a uh, uh, PBS NewsHour uh, she hosts PBS NewsHour, and also she's, she's a White House correspondent as well. Uh, Brenda Snipes is the uh, Broward County. She supervises the Broward County elections, okay? Uh, he went after her as well. He said, if you look at Broward County, they have, they have had a horrible history. And if you look at the person, in this case a woman involved, she has a horrible history, okay? And then also he went after Mia Love who was a Republican. Now, she's of Haitian ancestry. She was a Republican. She lost in the midterm elections also. He went after her as well. So we'll pick this up on the other side of the break because you don't want to miss this. You listen to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation of Future Radio on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Ready to start getting healthy? Well, I'm here to let you know that all-natural honey is a great way to start. At Crazy Boy Honey, we offer all-natural honey for the lowest prices. Our honey has no additives or preservatives. Go to crazyboyhoney.com. That's crazyboyhoney.com and see what we have to offer. And remember, shipping is free. In a world so cold, black people just to make it better stay on cold. These kids need the tools to win, so we put it on the book to share with all our friends. I don't believe it's no coincidence that we were born 
so brave at a time like this. So pack your bag, let's get ready to go to the land of justice. Ain't coming back no more. See me. Choice Kids. Get yours today at ZMadKids.com. This episode, Obey Your Parents. What's up, brothers and sisters? Brother Michael Bullock is a multi-talented researcher, investigative reporter, educator, and public speaker with over 20 years of experience lecturing on African history worldwide. Brother Bullock, a.k.a. The Black Knight, is the founder and CEO of Black Knight Productions, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the research and teachings, if I may be so bold, of the greatest story never told, African history. Brother Bullock teaches in all areas of human interaction, those major ones being economics, entertainment, education, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. So for more information, if your organization would like to have the total experience of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of what this brother brings to the table, then reach out to the Black Knight, and he will certainly reach back to you. So contact him directly at mbull three five seven at gmail.com. That's mbull three five seven at gmail.com. Hotel brothers and sisters. Hey, this is Alex, the app nerd. I create low-cost, high-quality mobile apps for people like you. Do you want to take your business to the next level by reaching more customers and potential clients? How about making ordering products and scheduling services easier? Does your church or organization want to improve youth participation? Perhaps you want to create a mobile game or dating app and make money off of paid ads. Well, what are you waiting for? Let me help you. Go to my site, appinmyhead.com. Request a free quote today. That's appinmyhead.com. What would you do if someone took your real life story and stole it from you, made millions off of it, and got away with it? That is exactly what happened to Shatona Tillman Sr., the real John Q. Being one of the most innovative and prolific writers of his time, his new book, The Nose of Men, The Yes of God, based on a true story, gives chilling testimony of his personal battle for justice against big names like Time Warner and New Line Cinema. In his unapologetic new book, The Nose of Men, The Yes of God, you'll hear about the judges and corrupt lawyers as Shatona Tillman Sr. warns us about the life and the pitfalls in the movie industry. You'll be at the edge of your seat as this book reveals the brutal truth about the theft of the feature film John Q, how Time Warner in New Line Cinema stole his movie, and how he's fighting to get it back. Pick up your very own copy today, The Nose of Men, The Yes of God, based on a true story by Shatonda Tillman Sr. You won't regret it at www.therealjohnq.com. Are you looking to regain your health and vitality? Then visit naturallifeenergy.com. That's naturallifeenergy.com. It is an alkaline, plant-based diet website based on Dr. Sebi's methodology and nutritional guide, which supports the healthy expression of the African black gene, but it benefits everyone. 
combat the ill effects of white supremacy that has brainwashed black people into eating foods that support the development of diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. Gain a better understanding of how to use a plant-based diet based on Dr. Sebi's nutritional guide to help heal your body and mind by reading Achillanese book, Alkaline Plant-Based Diet. Learn how to use herbs used in Dr. Sebi's methodology to help address complex diseases like lupus and IBS in his herbal book, Alkaline Herbal Medicine. Alkaline Herbal Medicine. Purchase Achillanese books from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other book retailers. Get your copies today. I know you all watched the movie Black Panther and saw Wakanda and wanted to buy a one-way ticket straight to that magical place. Well, why not? The International Black Book is a cyber Wakanda, a black wonderland. It is well overdue for the black diaspora to come together and build a global community where we can choose to buy black, travel black, and eat black. Place your complimentary listing of your business or agency. You are welcome at internationalblackbook.com, internationalblackbook.com. Sign up today. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio AM. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, November 11th, 2018, and uh, we're talking about, uh, we, in the first hour, we talked some about uh, midterm election results. We gave an update on what's going on in the um, gubernatorial race in Florida, and there's been a re it's going to be a recount there. Recount has already begun in some of the counties. Uh, the race in Georgia has not been called yet. It's, it's not over. They're still counting. And also, we saw this past week uh, Attorney General Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III. We saw he was forced to resign. Um, we saw also that Trump attacked, uh, verbally attacked six African-American women. And then also at one of the uh, press conferences, the one where he was disrespectful to you know, Michelle Sender, it was the one on Wednesday, it was a debacle of a press conference. Um, you see him try to shut down Jim Acosta from CNN, who's Cuban-American, and you saw uh, a White House intern try to take the microphone away from Jim Acosta. Then doctored video from InfoWars was circulated by White House Press Secretary uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders that made it look like um, Jim Acosta was being aggressive to the woman. The video was sped up. It's just a whole bunch of nonsense coming from, I mean, they, they had like two-year-olds. This, I mean, this is a debacle of a White House. I mean, th th I mean, they are a national disgrace. I've, I've never seen anything like this before, okay? All right, so before we continue uh, with this topic, before the break, uh, I was sharing some information from you from the article from Newsweek.com. you got to read this article. Donald Trump has attacked six black women in three days. Nasty, loser, racist question, and stupid question, Okay. Now, my response, when Trump said, oh, that's a stupid question, I said, well, I'm covering a stupid person. <laughs> that's why I'm asking a stupid question. I'm covering a stupid person, okay? But you got to read this article from Newsweek.com. Then uh, also check out April Ryan's article from Washington Post. April Ryan, uh, I'm a black woman. Trump loves insulting people like me, 
Okay, check that out also. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Al, line one. Al, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. I'm calling from um, Detroit. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how's it going, Al? I, I can't understand this guy, Trump. I mean, the thing about me, love, I mean, she a Republican. I know she a moderate Republican, but, man, if this, what I really called in is the lady mm-hmm. from uh, PBS. Mm-hmm. You're Michelle Sender. You're Michelle Sender. Yeah, Michelle Sender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reason why she asked him about that, I don't know if you saw the article, but she saw two white nationals in the White House, so that's the reason why she posed the question mm-hmm. towards um, to Donald Trump, the president. Well, yeah, and those. See how he, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was. Uh, you talking about the uh, white nationalists from a news outlet? Yeah, they was. They were at the White House, and then when you bring this up with. With, with Caucasian people, they think she's race baby. They mm-hmm. talk about this, you know, not race. What's the other word? Like you, um, what's the word? I can't even think on the tip of my tongue, man. Right. What we did with politics. They say you're playing the race card. Yeah, the race card. Well, no, we're it's, dealing it's we're dealing with a white supremacist person. I mean, we're dealing with yeah, we're, yeah. we're dealing with we're dealing with somebody who has Stephen Miller, who's a white nationalist, white supremacist. As one of his thing, senior advisors, who who is involved in crafting immigration policy, okay. And, she, and this is the thing that I understand. You know, when you deal with white people, they think, "Well, you racist, you racist." Listen, no identity, identity policy. I said, "Listen, you have people who are hell open on stopping any immigrants coming into this country, and at the end of the day, this country was for immigrants." Well, it, well, well, they only the they, well, they're not trying to stop white immigrants coming. They're only trying to stop that's immigrants my, of color. Exactly. Yeah, they ain't trying to that's stop exactly. white immigrants coming. Right. <laughs> it's like when you talked about in one of your podcasts about mm-hmm. they're not even checking people on the fire green card. They're not checking the people coming over the Canadian border. They're only worried about the black and brown people. And when you bring this to white people, all of a sudden they get upset. But when I think about Billy Fuller, he said it when you're dealing with white supremacy and racism, mm-hmm. and you don't understand where it's coming from, is because you're really not looking at the the way this country set up. And I'm glad that um, Dr. Carl Anderson, because his first book really breaks it down, mm-hmm. and it's sad because I realize what's going on. People, white people, are scared because they realize they're losing their place in the United States, and they realize that they're becoming more colored, and they're and they're scared that. What they did to other people may happen to them, but like I explained to one person, Jewish people, Italian people were all considered just as bad as even, even were considered just like black. But the only reason why they were able not to be controlled is because of their skin color. And when you bring it up, they always say, "Oh, it's racism." But I'm realizing they don't want to really look at the history, and I'm glad that you have a show like this to really break it down. Right. And to be honest with you, Mike, before I get off, I don't think people realize if you if, if you take out the 60s and the 70s or even the 80s, people of color really didn't participate in voting. Now, we did because we were trying to fight to get this, um, the Voting Right Act. But if it wasn't for Jesse Jackson, you wouldn't have Latinos. You wouldn't even have Chinese people. I mean, people of Asian descent. He didn't really participate because the Rainbow Coalition really added all these people into it. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why the Democrats should really think about showing more love to minorities. Because without us, 
would they really even have a party right now? And I just kind of want to hear that you can if you can elaborate a little bit more on what I'm talking about. Well, well look at the rest of okay, thanks, Al. Thanks I'm for listening. calling. Hey, did you uh, hear my show last Sunday? Okay. Yeah, well, uh, go back and listen to the show last Sunday because last Sunday I dealt with the history of how and why African-Americans switched from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party. And that goes back to 1928. That goes back to Herbert Hoover, who was the Republican candidate for president. And it goes back to the Lily White movement of 1928, which was a movement to push African-Americans out of the Republican Party and to ignore our issues uh, and, and, and to ignore our issues and our concerns. All right. And uh, then you have the uh, you had uh, Franklin Roosevelt, who wins uh, the presidency in 33. And the even though African-Americans were leery of the Democratic Party, they liked Franklin Roosevelt better than they liked the Democratic Party and his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt. So the Democratic Party uh, became more receptive to African-Americans, okay? And it, uh, it had to, and we could get our issues addressed better, not as much as we wanted to, but we were being pushed out of the Republican Party. Uh, and then also some of the policies from the New Deal, because this is all during the Great Depression. Uh, 1928 is the year before the Great Depression starts in 29. You have Franklin Roosevelt who comes on. Some of the comes in. Some of the policies from the New Deal helped African Americans, and you're going to see us uh, transition gradually, transition over. Uh, by 1960, two thirds of us had transitioned over to the Democratic Party, but that had to do with policies being put in place. For instance, in 1948, uh, the Democratic Party uh, presented a more uh, pro civil rights platform for the um, for the for the uh, presidential campaign, a more pro civil rights platform in '48. Strom Thurmond, who was a Dixiecrat, which was one of those Southern segregationist, obstructionist Democrats, Strom Thurmond runs for president as a Dixiecrat. Okay, and it's '48 that during that presidential campaign that those Southerners are going to bring back out that Confederate battle flag that they call the Confederate flag. It's not really the Confederate flag. It's the Confederate battle flag of Northern Virginia under General Robert E. Lee's army. There were three flags that flew over the Confederate States of America from 1861 to 1865. That flag that a lot of white supremacists are running around with, calling the Confederate flag is not the Confederate flag, but they don't understand their history. So the flag that's on the General Lee car on the Dukes of Hazard, that's not the real Confederate flag. That's the Confederate battle flag of Northern Virginia under General Robert E. Lee's car. And, and the car on the Dukes of Hazard, that charger, is called General Lee. That's named after General Robert E. Lee, a white supremacist slave owner who took up arms against the Union to fight to maintain slavery. Okay? So he's also on uh, the side of the mountain called Stone Mountain in Georgia as well. If you've ever been to Stone Mountain in Georgia, they have a... On, they have a huge relief carved into the side of Stone Mountain in Georgia, honoring three Confederate, honoring three traitors to the U.S. Okay, Jefferson Davis, who's the president of the Confederacy, P.G.T. Beauregard, and General Robert E. Lee. And Robert E. Lee, he, he Robert E. Lee was from Virginia, but they had that in Georgia, right? 
So this is where Stacey Abrams is running for governor. I mean, no, that that relief that's on the side of Stone Mountain, that's there right now. I'm not talking about what was there 50 years ago. I'm talking about what's there right now in Georgia. Because I've been to Stone Mountain. I've seen it. I was there last year. I was in there July 2017. Okay? And they're honoring these, these traitors to the union. Okay? And keep in mind, see, Georgia is one of those former Confederate states. So you go into some areas of this country, it's like you're in another country. Seriously. Seriously, when you study the history of it, you go in some areas of this country, it's like, oh, maybe like you're on another planet. All right? <laughs> okay, but go, uh, you can listen to all of my audio podcasts at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, right on the homepage, click on Listen to Podcasts, because I went in-depth into that history last week, dealing with why and how we transition from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party. And two-thirds of us have switched over to the Democratic Party by 1960. This is before the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was signed in the law um, July 2nd, 1964, by President Johnson. So when people think we switched over because of the Civil Rights Act of 64, it's like, no, most of us have switched over prior to that. You have to understand that history. That's what I dealt with last week. And we have it on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P on YouTube. And on uh, Facebook, uh, the African History Network on Facebook, click on videos. Let's go quickly back to the phone lines. Let's go to John, line one. Hey, John, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us what city you're calling from. Yeah, I'm calling from Mo City, uh, the East Side. Hotel. Hey, brother. Listen, listen. I want to say something to you, and you may not believe this, but uh, Robert Lee, the general Robert Lee, he, they, they, they said they. He went with them fools, those Stonewall Jackson, and uh, and what's the other name you call that? What's the other one? PGT Borgard. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he just uh, was, was out there in space and, and, and trying to help him in the war. But he, he, he was the one deciding. He told him don't even think about putting up no, no statue for us. And right. He also, he also, they also said that he... Well, when you study him, he wasn't—he was not a very good general. Okay, when you yeah, study him, number one, number two, um, General Robert E. Lee, he was against Confederate monuments after that's the Civil War was over. Right. He was against Confederate monuments. He was against Confederate monuments honoring him. He was against Confederate monuments in general, and he was against using any other Confederate flags after the Civil War was over with. And he—he—he he, he wrote right. about that's this. Right. Okay, that's right. So a lot of them, you know. A lot of these white supremacists who are claim who are clinging on to the history of General Robert E. Lee, a lot of that is a contrived history, is revisionist history. Right, right, One, right. two, they don't understand that he was against Confederate monuments, even those honoring him. And he wrote about this. See, there were times when letters were sent to him and, and asking him to come to uh to the unveiling of a monument honoring him, things like this after the Civil War was over with. And he he wrote back, he, he did not attend, he said he was against it because he felt that uh, after the Civil War ended, the, you know, the, 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 the North and the South were torn apart. The South was devastated. And he felt that there needed to be a time of healing between the North and the South to come back to be one nation. And he felt that having these Confederate monuments 
having the using the Confederate battle flags and the Confederate flags that would keep the wounds open. So he was against that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just want to say in Arizona, the 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 the, 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 uh, the, the Democrats that the won that that seat, they went to the uh, Democrats so forth. And uh, they said tonight. Arizona, hold on. Okay, last time I checked. Earlier today, Arizona had not been called. The Democratic candidate in the U.S. Senate race, she was ahead by, I think, maybe 12,000 votes. She was ahead, but there was still 80, only 88% of the uh, votes had been counted. So it had not been called yet. It was, like, too close to call. Okay. That's in Arizona. So the, the, the Democratic candidate took the lead in the Arizona U.S. Senate right. race, but, it had, but, the, but that race has not been called yet, unless it's been called in the last hour. Yeah. And I would ask them, why are Republicans fighting so hard for these races? Why why was there so much voter suppression like in Georgia, right? That's right. See, people, and, and, people and, and, mm-hmm, go ahead. And, and, and they say if, if, if they have a, some folks say they have, should have a dual with, with this uh, whole election. They should have a whole new election with Florida and, and Georgia. That's what they said, but it costs money. But they said they should have a whole dual with uh, Biden. Well, well, in Florida, here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. In Florida, and then I have to run, but in Florida, you have 5 million registered voters who did not vote in the midterm election in Florida. Who? Who was that? Joe Madison. Joe Madison, yeah. Yeah. He said that. A lot of African-Americans, you scream that back. If I ask African-Americans, they come out and vote like they have. If more of them have voted, there'd be no, this would have been already done. That's you right. know, and, and it's hard It's hard to cheat a landslide also. Okay, man, I got to run, John. Okay, thanks okay. for calling. Work, All right, okay. thanks, brother. Thanks, thanks. Okay, so we're broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. I was having problems with the with the uh, phones trying to broadcast, but we have that up and running now. Once again, what, uh, read the, uh, I, I talked about this a number of times here, read the article from um, MSN.com, America's white population shrinks for the first time as nation ages. America's white population shrinks for the first time as nation ages. This is from June 21, 2018, MSN.com, and read the article from the New York Times, from June 20 of 2018, fewer births than deaths among whites in majority of U.S. states. Fewer births than deaths among whites in majority of, of U.S. states. And what this deals with, this deals with the study and the press release from the U.S. Census Bureau that came out June 21, 2018, 
that talks about how in 26 states out of 50, 26 states out of 50, white people have a negative birth rate, which means more of them are dying in 26 states out of 50 that are being born. Now, you have some white people, not all of them, but you have some white people who fear the browning of America and they fear becoming a numerical minority in this country. And, 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 and most of those people who fear that voted for Donald Trump, I'm just saying. Okay. So this is what, <laughs> this is what we're dealing with. All right. Uh, read the press release from the U S census bureau, Midwest home to most of the counties with decreases in median age, Midwest home to most of the counties with decreases in median age. Okay. That's from June 21st, 2018 from census.gov from the U S census bureau. All right. Okay. So before the break, I was talking about how Trump, uh, had attacked six African-American women, verbally attacked six African-American women, just between Wednesday and Friday of this past weekend, three days, okay? Newsweek.com has a good article about this. Donald Trump has attacked six black women in three days. Nasty, loser, racist question, and stupid question. Then you have um, the, uh, there was a good one also from uh, the Washington Post as well. We know April Ryan uh, wrote an article, April Ryan, who's a contributor to CNN, but she is the uh, White House correspondent for American Urban Radio, and she's been doing that job for 20 years, 20, 21 years. But uh, Washington Post has also a good article from November 9th. Uh, what a stupid question. Trump demeans three black female reporters in three days. What a stupid question. Trump demeans three black female reporters in three days, okay? So we saw Friday morning, before he uh, left on the trip, we saw him go after Michelle Obama. So during the gathering with reporters Friday morning, Trump was asked to comment on former First Lady Michelle Obama's uh, forthcoming memoir, her book called Becoming, in which she writes that she will, quote-unquote, never forgive Trump for pushing the birth of conspiracy theory that falsely claimed uh, Barack Obama was not born in the United States. She said, quote, Donald Trump, with his loud and reckless innuendos, was putting my family's safety at risk, end quote, she wrote. She went on to say, uh, so, um, uh, so then Trump said, uh, when Trump was asked a question about uh, her comments, Trump said, oh, Michelle Obama said that, I haven't seen it. Uh, he said, I guess she wrote a book. She got paid a lot of money to write a book, and they always insist that you come up with controversial. Well, he said, well, I'll give you uh, some controversy back. He said, I'll never forgive uh, Barack Obama. I'll never forgive him, referring to Barack Obama, for what he did to our United States military by not funding it properly. What he did to our military made the country very unsafe for you and, and you and you, pointing to the reporters there, okay, he said, I'll never forgive him for that. Uh, he did in many other ways, which I'll take, uh, talk to you about in the future. But Trump did not talk about, see, that's, that's deflection. He didn't talk about he was like the leading birth, leader of the birther movement for five years. He didn't talk about the fact that in 2011, he, he recorded a video of himself saying that if, if anybody provided, if, 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 if uh, uh, Obama provided evidence that he was born in this country, he would donate $5 million to a charity of President Obama's choice. 
President Obama produced his long-form birth certificate. You haven't heard anything else about that $5 million pledge. Listen to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Reading is imperative, family. Remember, it was illegal for our ancestors to read and gain knowledge of self. Still to this day, we lack a knowledge of self, especially this younger generation. DTR 360 Books has the books for you to develop and add to your knowledge in this world we live in. DTR 360 Books is one of the fastest growing online bookstores and it provides books dealing with finance, history, business, children's books, and more. Their motto is applied knowledge is true power. As the Bible states, faith without works is dead. So their thing is applying the knowledge that which you receive from these books. Visit their website today, dtr360books.com, dtr360books.com, and you can find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Mel Trek is an animated series that teaches our children about their greatness. Episode 1 deals with exploring ancient Africa, where they go back in time and visit various African civilizations and the contributions that they gave to the world. Episode 2 deals with exploring pre-Columbian Americas and the children journey back in time to learn about several aboriginal cultures, defining structures and nations who arrived in the Americas before Christopher Columbus. This is a great teaching tool for homeschooling and the classroom, and they teach our children that their history did not start in slavery. We have the videos as well as the coloring book and storybook available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have a mail track bundle pack on sale right now for $79.99, and it includes all three episodes of Afro Man and the Protectors of the Book of Knowledge. Get this great gift and teaching tool for your children today at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Ed Anime Productions presents Meltrek, Episode 1, Exploring Ancient Africa. Witness the most accurate historical account of African and African-American people. A story that has never been told like this before. Join Bunchy, Chen, Percy, Michelle, and Jesse as they open their third eyes and are sent back in time by their magical teacher, Ms. Lawford. They begin their adventure in ancient Africa in the Nile Valley. There, they meet a young Egyptian boy named Ramesses. Using hip-hop, funky beats, and rhymes, Ramesses teaches the children about the great kingdoms of Africa. They explore the Nile Valley. The Nile Valley was a place of people. Ghana is the first guy. Land of the gold that is so nice. Mali and Songhai. Mali and Songhai must have had some serious armies. The Congo. The Congo region is beautiful. Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is where we land. And Zulu. Witness the mental and spiritual transformation of the characters. Not only will they transform, but you will also as you travel with Meltre. Let's resurrect the spirit of our ancestors inside all of us and recall that we all come from greatness so we can be We're going to do a different time zone, where our ancestors always sat on the throne, yeah. And I'm talking about you, 
to me. Are you struggling with your finances or just need a second opinion? My name is Martisha Patterson and I am here to help. Whether you have questions about credit, retirement, taxes, investments, or meeting day-to-day -day responsibilities, you deserve access to a qualified, caring, and resourceful financial professional. As a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry, I have a passion for helping people gain confidence and become successful with money. Taking control of your finances creates options instead of obstacles confidence instead of uncertainty. Make no mistake, this is an important step for all of us. Will you allow your situation to control you or will you take control and make your money behave? My name is Martisha Patterson. Call or email me today to schedule an appointment. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384 or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, November 11, 2018. It is uh, our first show after midterm elections. And, I mean, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. I was covering what was going on. Go watch my broadcast, uh, the Facebook Live broadcast, and we put it uh, in audio podcast form from this past Tuesday, November 6th. Uh, be, I, I did that uh, before 8 p.m. It was about 7 p.m. that I started, 6.37 p.m. And we were dealing with a lot of the voting irregularities that were taking place, and we saw some of that take place here in Detroit as well. Um, but right before the break, we were talking about Trump losing his mind and attacking, uh, verbally attacking six African-American women in three days, okay? This does not include Stacey Abrams, okay? Michelle Obama, April Ryan. Uh, Abby Phillip, uh, Yamiche Alcindor, Brenda Snipes, as well as um, Mia Love, uh, Re Republican Mia Love, uh, House of Representatives uh, in Utah. Okay, so this morning, uh, yesterday morning on AM Joy, Joanne Reed, they talked about this, and she spoke with Tara Dowdell, who's an African American female business owner, but she also knows Donald Trump because she was a contestant on The Apprentice. Let's take a listen to this. Um, on the campaign trail, you called yourself a nationalist. Some people saw that as emboldening white nationalists. Now people are also saying that saying the president... You're racist. There's some you expect Matt Whitaker to be involved in the Russia probe. Do you want him to... That's up to him. Do you want him to bring in Robert Mueller? What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. The same thing with April Ryan. I watch her get up. I mean, you talk about somebody that's a loser. She doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Wow. Well, insulting anyone that he thinks is not being nice enough to him is nothing new for Donald Trump. But this week, the three people he went after most viciously had something very obvious in common. They were all black women journalists just doing their jobs by asking questions of the president of the United States. Joining me now is Tara Dowdell, business and political marketing consultant and president of the Tara Dowdell Group, uh, and also someone who knows Donald Trump. Yes. What, what is Donald Trump's weird thing with black women? I mean, he, I mean, he, uh, other than diamond and silk. Right. <laughs> right. He doesn't seem to like them very much. 
Well, I'll tell you this. I think there are two things going on with Donald Trump and black women. Number one is that black women have overwhelmingly, we have been the one group that refuses to bow down to Donald Trump. Yep. We have been on the forefront of the resistance. We are also not just on the forefront of the resistance, mm -hmm. but we are actually behind the defeat of a lot of his candidates. It was black women, black women voters, black women organizers. Roy Moore is a perfect example in yeah. Alabama, a ruby red state where we all, we've talked about this over and over again, but Trump had backed more ultimately and came out you know aggressively for him and so so that is also part of what his issue is the second thing is that Trump knows what racial buttons to push he has he always has from the Central Park five to birther to now he knows exactly what buttons to push and he's pushing those buttons his attacks are specific talking about black women are stupid low IQ mm -hmm. those are very specific attacks that have a historic context yeah and so I think number one Trump knows black women voters are not stupid yeah because we are the one group that has not fallen for his con in any kind of significant way overwhelmingly we haven't fallen for his con so he yeah. knows that we're not stupid well I mean you know I, I would say that if you support the candidate who is banned from hot topic <laughs> maybe you should expect to lose but that's just my opinion right. I mean you never know right, right. Uh, so anyway let me just play a little ma mashup uh, of Donald Trump going after because it's not just journalists here's his uh, take on Maxine Waters Maxine She's a real beauty, Maxine. A seriously low IQ person. Seriously. Maxine Waters. A very low IQ person, Maxine Waters. I said it the other day, yes, she is a low IQ individual, Maxine Waters. I said it the other day. Hi. I mean, honestly, she's somewhere in the mid-60s, I believe that. Maxine Waters, a very low IQ individual. You ever see her? You ever seen her? You ever see her? We will impeach him. We will impeach the press. But he hasn't done anything wrong. It doesn't matter. We will impeach him. She's a low IQ individual. You can't help her. And that's always his attack, right? It's always going after women's intelligence. Obviously, you know what? I bet you what Maxine Waters is smart enough to do, get your tax returns, because right. she's going to be the head of the committee that can get your tax returns, Donald Trump. So he, he also knows that she is a threat to him right. and that she is unafraid of him. She right. is not afraid of him. Uh, he, but even people who have been his allies in the past, Omarosa, right. uh, also, you know, we all know from The Apprentice, the woman who said that he will make everyone who was ever mean to him bow down right. before she changed sides. She was saying, you will bow down. Down. Right. He then decides she's a dog. Right. A dog. A low life. A low life. life. Right. So he, even his former allies, he's got this particular thing that he tries to go after on people, on women's intelligence, black women. Mm -hmm. um, he's called April Ryan a loser. Right. Told her to go find her friends in the CBC. Right. This is consistent. Yeah. When you dealt with Donald Trump, is this racism plus sexism or is this a strategy? I think it's all three. I think Donald Trump is a racist. I think he's also a sexist and a misogynist. But I also think he is a master, just uh, he just has this masterful understanding of what buttons to push. He saw what the Republican Party really was. He saw what really excited the base. And he jumped on the bandwagon. He never creates anything. Yeah. He jumps on bandwagons. But I want to just make a point about why what he's doing is so particularly insidious to black women. Yeah. As a small business owner, a study came out and said that his rhetoric is actually having scientifically, his rhetoric, it was in the Washington Post on Halloween, his rhetoric is actually having an impact on people. Not just people 
people who already have, you know, tendencies uh, in terms of racism, but having an impact on white people generally. And let me tell you why that's important. Because as a black woman business owner, when I sit across the table from someone and I'm pitching business and they think I'm inferior or they think I'm not smart or that I'm low IQ, that affects my ability to get business. That yep. affects my ability to pay the people that work for me. Yeah. If you're a worker and you're sending a resume out and people have this unconscious or implicit yeah. bias, that affects their ability to get a job. We've seen study after study saying that if, you're, if you can have an ex a resume that's better than a, a white counterpart, but if you have a black sounding name, yeah. that you're, you are likely not to get that job. Yeah. And it so that's why this matters. And people need to realize this isn't just about his attacks. This has real world implications yeah. on people's lives. Yeah. And I, I just want to really quickly pay because the other group that he um, doesn't like, obviously, are journalists. I mean, what he did to uh, what he did to Abby Phillip of Politico. I don't know how Politico sends her back right. in there. I, he doesn't deserve for, the, to, for her to cover him. She's right. an excellent reporter. Right. What he did to you. Michelle Sindor calling her racist yep. for asking him a question about his comments in Charlottesville in the same 48 hours that someone from Identity Europa, a white nationalist group, went on a tour of the White House and posted Instagram pictures of it. And he had the nerve to call her racist. And Michelle Alcindor is a down the middle, absolutely right. down the middle journalist. Um, but he also has this fixation with Jim Acosta, who, by the way, is Cuban-American, who's Latino. Right. Right. And so here is the exchange. And I don't like to play a lot of Trump on this show, honestly, if then people have noticed I don't play a lot of it. But I'm going to play this exchange with Jim Acosta because it was so, so outré right. for the way a president of the United States comports himself. Take a look. If I may okay, ask one enough. other question. Mr. President, if I may, if I may ask Peter, one other question. Are you worried? Of, that's enough. That's no, enough. Mr. President, I, that's well, enough. I was going to ask one other. The other folks That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. Excuse me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question. If go. I may ask on, on the Russia investigation, are you concerned that that you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Mr. President. I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Go ahead. By the way, you know, he works for the competition, but Jim Acosta is a damn good reporter. Right. Okay, he's doing what a reporter is supposed to do. Right. But there, I want to know what you see going on there. You see Trump pacing. Yep. He looked like he was going to explode. Yep. Then you can see him pay, pay attention to this woman. This young woman is an intern. He has an intern jump up and try to take the mic out of Jim Acosta's hand. And then they use doctored video of that exchange. And what Jim Acosta said, ma'am, he called her ma'am. He was very polite. He tried to just finish his question. Then they tried to use this intern being thrown out to do that to take Jim Acosta's hard pass. Unprecedented. To, and now he's threatening if reporters aren't respectful, meaning if you don't bow down, if you're not solicitous of him, if you're not nice to him, if your coverage isn't nice, you too will be banned. What do you see when you see Donald Trump pacing and grunting and you hear that breathy voice and he's, he was visibly like enraged? Right. What do you see happening there for, as somebody who knows him? Donald Trump is vengeful and vindictive. And this is the side that is going to become increasingly worse because he's under pressure on the Russia investigation. He lost seats in the House. And so the more pressure he's under, Does he understand he lost? How, Does he understand this was a loss even though he said it was a win? I think that he understands it's a loss. He knows that there's a, now that the House, whether he thinks he should have, 
should have been a bigger loss or whatever he thinks. The point is he knows that they have investigative powers, that the House of Representatives has investigative powers. Remember all these people in this, remember Trump is used to getting away with stuff here in New York, right? And so he's yeah. gotten away with stuff for years, decades. And so now he's in the White House, he's continued to get away with stuff, and now he's at the point where all these Ryan Zinke, who's uh, just hasn't met a, a form of corruption he hasn't liked. He has all these people in his administration who have not been investigated because of the Republicans yep. being in leadership. He knows that that ends now. Yeah, and that his son could get indicted. Right. Would, would, how far would he go to protect his, his son? I think he would. I think Trump. There's not tr anything that Trump wouldn't do. He is a, a narcissist. He's a malignant narcissist, and he's yeah. a vengeful person. Yeah. Well, here we go. Ask some of his family members. Yeah. yeah there you go. Ask Tiffany. Does he? Do we? What about anyone? Well, let's not even. Teradato. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Next up, maybe the best. All right. Okay. So that's from AM Joy. That's from uh, Saturday, November 10th, 2018. Check out that clip. Now, Tara Dadale, who AM uh, Joy and Reed was interviewing, that's someone who knows Donald Trump. Okay. Uh, she was on one of the seasons of The Apprentice. Um, so check out that clip. Uh, Trump speaks disrespectfully to three black women journalists. That's from uh, MSNBC.com. November tenth, two thousand eighteen. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Let's go to Keith, uh, line two. Keith, thanks for uh, holding. Welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Uh, good evening. I'm calling from Detroit. Okay, uh, go ahead. You know this this current occupant uh, of the White House is so ignorant and so petty. Um, I, I, it, he's really a contradiction because most people who are as narcissistic as he is don't have the level of insecurity that he has. But it's interesting. He's fascinating to me because he's always talking about how unfair people are to him, mm -hmm. yet he is the most vile, most in, insulting, uh, least in, integrity uh, laden person that has ever occupied the White House. Um, and, and to show his ignorance, it, let's just say for the sake of discussion mm -hmm. that what he alleged about President Obama was true, that he was not born in the United States. The fact that his mother was a U.S. citizen who had never renounced her citizenship automatically made him a citizen of the United States regardless to where he was born. But here's what I really called to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. I wanted to commend you because a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about the relationship between Eleanor Roosevelt and Mary McLeod, Mary McLeod Bethune. Right. And, and I, was so, I was so elated to hear you talk about that because Eleanor Roosevelt really doesn't get enough of the credit for really pushing Franklin Roosevelt to utilize the, the, the talents of black people during World War II. We know about her, what she said um, with regard to the Tuskegee Airmen mm -hmm. and actually going there and flying with them and saying, you know, we're, we're wasting, why, why do we have this? But what many people don't know is that it was because of her visit to Tuskegee that those airmen actually ended up getting serviceable planes that allowed them to perform the missions that, that they ended up performing. And the other thing that she did with regard to her relationship with Mary McLeod Bethune 
was that she said that the, the, the push to end discrimination was as critical to America's future as the fight for women's suffrage. So as a former history teacher myself, I was really, really glad to see you acknowledge and really celebrate that relationship between those two iconic women. And, and it's really a story that needs to be told a lot more often. So I, I just wanted to commend you for that. All right. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate it. Okay, and people can go uh, listen. I talked about that some last week also. I went in depth into the history of, of um, why African Americans switched from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party, okay? And uh, Mary McLeod Bethune in the, um, in, in the uh, Roosevelt administration had a lot to do with that as well. It was a gradual uh, process, okay? So uh, check that out in the... the uh, Chicago Defender, you know, reported on this a lot. Uh, there, and there was an article from ChicagoMag.com that talked about this also, um, how the party of Lincoln lost virtually the entire black vote in 88 years, how the party of Lincoln lost the entire black vote in uh, 88 years, okay, virtually the entire black vote in 88 years. But check out the broadcast I did from uh, last week, okay. All right, so let's continue here. Okay, so uh, Newsweek.com has a good article. There have been a number of articles written on this about uh, Trump's uh, attacks on African-American women over the past few days. Uh, First of all, I talked about Michelle Obama. Then we have April Ryan as well on on Friday at at that press conference as well. Trump called uh, April Ryan a veteran White House correspondent. Uh, Washington Bureau Chief for American Urban Radio Networks and CNN contributor. He called her nasty and a loser um, as well. Uh, Abby Phillip, he was the one who uh, said that that's a stupid question. Uh, Yamiche Alcindor, uh, you you saw him uh, respond to her after he claimed he was a nationalist. And we know that's really a dog whistle for being a white nationalist. Okay. She she asked him uh, in reference to... uh, calling himself a, a nationalist, um, and he responded. He said, I don't know uh, why you say that. That's such a racist question. See, see, these are all deflections. He doesn't want to answer the question. He doesn't want to answer what did you mean by that uh, when you called yourself a nationalist, anything like that. Then Brenda Snipes, right, without naming her, Trump questioned the competence of Florida's Broward County Supervisor of Elections, Brenda Snipes, amid a vote discrepancy in a county that has faced similar controversy before and may cause a midterm and may cause, uh, and it, it, they are having a recount in the midterm elections um, in, in Florida. Uh, Trump and Republicans do not want a recount because Democrats conceded to Rick Scott and uh, Ron DeSantis in the Senate and, uh, and gubernatorial races, respectfully, but the Republicans' lead has narrowed. And Trump said, if you look at Broward County, they have had a horrible history. And if you look at the person, in this case, a woman involved, she has a horrible history, okay? And, the, and, the, and then Trump went on to say, all of a sudden, they're finding votes out of nowhere. And Rick Scott, who won uh, by, you know, it was close. He won by a comfortable margin. Uh, every couple of hours, it goes down a little bit, okay? Well, the, the, the race there is not over, okay? The, ra- the, the race, uh, neither one of those races uh, for governor or um U.S. Senate, 
they're still counting votes, okay? If you look at the uh, article from NBC News, and I was able to pull it up, NBCnews.com, Republicans claim without evidence Florida seats being stolen as top Democrat pushes back. Florida Republicans claim without evidence Florida seats being stolen as top Democrat pushes back. Republicans continued to press ahead with the assertion that Florida's elections were being stolen as two hugely important races head into a recount. Absolutely no evidence uh, for this. Okay? So check out that article uh, also from that came out uh, today from NBCnews.com, uh, November 11th. Okay? Without offering evidence, Republicans continue defending claims that Democrats are trying to steal a pair of Florida seats as mandatory recounts in the Senate and gubernatorial races get underway. Okay, as of Sunday, um, Governor Rick Scott, who's running for U.S. Senate, was up uh, on Bill Nelson by um, by uh, by less than is less than a quarter of a percentage point is point one five percent. Okay, a fifteenth of a percentage point, and had a lead of about thirteen thousand votes. Ron DeSantis um, was up four tenths of a percentage point and held a, a lead of about roughly thirty thousand votes. Okay, so these are these are razor razor sharp margins. Every vote counts. Okay, all right, and then we saw him go after Mia Love as well uh, during Trump's press conference on Wednesday, the day after the election. Now, when have you seen a president go after the people who didn't stand by him? Didn't you know? Didn't want him to campaign for them. Things like this. I mean, this guy has some serious mental issues. But during Trump's press conference Wednesday, he mocked. This is the day after. Republicans lost control of the House of Representatives. He mocked Republican, Republican Congresswoman Mia Love, who had refrained from embracing him and his administration for losing her reelection bid to Democrat Ben McAdams in Utah's 4th Congressional District. Okay, And she's uh, Haitian-American. By the way, Mia Love, she's a little strange to me, but okay. Uh, he, said, oh, Mia, he said, Mia Love gave me no love, and she lost. Uh, too bad. Sorry about that, Mia. Now, 2015, Mia Love was the first black Republican woman to be elected to Congress. She uh, was also the first Haitian-American to win a Utah seat. Okay, after Trump's attacks, uh, the women backed each other and saw a wave of support from others on social media. So you had over 100 women running for congressional seats, over 100 women running for congressional seats uh, in this election. And and this Congress that's going to be uh, sworn in on January 3rd, this is going to be the most diverse Congress in the history of this country, okay? And it's going to have a much larger representation from, from women as well as African-American women. Ready to start getting healthy? Well, I'm here to let you know that all-natural honey is a great way to start. At Crazy Boy Honey, we offer all-natural honey for the lowest prices. Our honey has no additives or preservatives. Go to crazyboyhoney.com. That's crazyboyhoney.com and see what we have to offer. And remember, shipping is free.
living in a world so cold Black people just to make it better stay on cold These kids need the tools to win So we put it on the book to share with all our friends I don't believe there's no coincidence That we were born so brave at a time like this So pack your bag, let's get ready to go To the land of justice, ain't coming back no more See man Choice Kids. Get yours today at ZMadKids.com. This episode, Obey Your Parents. Hotel brothers and sisters, Brother Michael Bullock is a multi-talented researcher, investigative reporter, educator, and public speaker with over 20 years of experience lecturing on African history worldwide. Brother Bullock, a.k.a. The Black Knight, is the founder and CEO of Black Knight Productions, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the research and teachings, if I may be so bold, of the greatest story never told, African history. Brother Bullock teaches in all areas of human interaction, those major ones being economics, entertainment, education, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. So for more information, if your organization would like to have the total experience of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of what this brother brings to the table, then reach out to the Black Knight, and he will certainly reach back to you. So contact him directly at mbull357 at gmail.com. That's mbull357 at gmail.com. Hotel, brothers and sisters. Now. April Ryan wrote a article for the Washington Post, um, and this came out November 10th, 2018. I'm a black woman. Trump loves insulting people like me. I'm a black woman. Trump loves insulting people like me. And a lot of you all see April Ryan on CNN, and you, and I watched around how I, you know I bear it. I I it's getting harder and harder, but I watched the White House uh, press briefings. Uh, live with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It's getting harder and harder. I don't know how I do it without drugs or alcohol. It's getting harder and harder. Luckily, they don't have them every day because they've been holding, holding them less frequently as things have been intensifying, right? But I watch them live. We share the broadcast on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, because you need to see what's going on. They're dealing with policy. They're, getting, they're telling lies. They're getting caught in lies. So you need to see what's going on because your taxpayer dollars are paying for this foolishness. Okay, this is what people don't understand. This is why I tell people, people say, oh, you know, oh, I don't vote. You know, I'm not into politics. Politics is into you like a proctologist or a gynecologist. That's how deep politics is into you. Right. And and do you pay taxes? You realize you realize your taxpayer dollars are funding this foolishness. Right. Even even if it's uh, people in office you don't like. Say you say say you hate everybody on the city council in your city. Say you hate the mayor, say you hate the city council, all that. You do realize your taxpayer dollars pay for their salaries. And the initiatives, the policies they put in place, like to gentrify you out of the city, you do realize those policies your taxpayer dollars pay for. You do understand that, right? So if they're using your taxpayer dollars to fund policies that work against you, Shouldn't you have a say in how your dollars are being used? This is why I tell people, you know, you know, you know, the people like who call in the radio shows every day complaining about elected officials, election day is your opportunity to fire them. That's your opportunity to vote them out of office. You know, unless you just want to keep complaining. 
But but think about it. When they give tax breaks to millionaires and billionaires to build stadiums, just like they did uh, Little Caesars Arena, over $300 million in tax breaks, okay, That's where, where's that money coming from? That's That's on the back of poor people that they're gentrifying and turning their water off and pushing out of the city of Detroit. So a lot of times we don't understand how we're financing our own dehumanization. You need to fire those people. That's your opportunity to fire them. Okay. So Wednesday when uh, PBS's Yamiche Alcindor asked uh, Donald Trump if his campaign rhetoric was emboldening white nationalists, quote-unquote emboldening white nationalists, Trump, who has in recent weeks rallied against quote, power-hungry globalists, end quote, a distant immigrant caravan and called African-American Tallahassee mayor and Florida gubernatorial candidate Andrew Gillum a, quote, stone-cold thief, end quote, with no evidence there either. He called him a stone-cold thief, right? Now, Trump, this is the same guy who had to pay a $24 million settlement in the state of New York for having a fake university. This is that guy, Okay. He calls Andrew Gillum a stone-cold thief, stone-cold thief, all right? And Trump tried to turn the tables by saying that's such a racist question, okay? Um, it's not hard to find the common denominator. Uh, April Ryan talks about Abby Phillips and things like this. Though there's hardly anyone from his predecessors to senators in his own party, he won't try to shut down with the ad hominem insults. Trump relishes and injects venom into verbal attacks, attacks against women of color. Okay? He leaves little doubt about what he really thinks of us. In a rally, in rally after rally, when Trump says Representative Maxine Waters has a low IQ, he's showing contempt for the idea that a black woman who was sworn in, who has sworn an oath to uphold the same constitution as he should be able to speak her mind if she in any way challenges his authority. When he feuded with Representative Frederica Wilson, Democrat from Florida, over his response to the death of her constituent, LaDavid Johnson, who she knew personally and knew his family, because LaDavid Johnson was part of a mentoring program that, that uh, she's had there in, in that area for years, in her district for years, okay? He was an African-American Army sergeant killed in action, he, uh, Trump failed to live up to his role as commander-in-chief. When he says Stacey Abrams, a Yale Law School graduate and former Democratic leader of the Georgia House of Representatives, is quote-unquote not qualified to be uh, her state's governor, he's applying a double standard. When he feuded via Twitter with Jamel Hill, the National Association of Black Journalists 2018 Journalist of the Year, and the sister from Detroit, graduated from Mumford High School in Detroit, okay? And that's also an award April Ryan won in 2017. Trump telegraphed that there's something about being questioned by a black woman that he can't abide, that really gets underneath his skin. Unless, I guess maybe unless it's uh, Diamond or Silk, but they, won't, they wouldn't question him because they don't do that. One or two of these instances might only leave you scratching your head. But we've reached a point where it's an unmistakable pattern. It's an unmistakable pattern. The journalists covering Trump's presidency are professionals, and I'm confident that all of us, including the African-American women covering the White House, will continue to do our jobs no matter 
uh, how we're treated by Donald Trump. But we should have to but but we should not have to put up with the kind of treatment we re we received this week. Not only has uh, the president given cover to people who want to harass us, but he's left the American people with a twisted understanding of how press freedom works, how press freedoms work or the freedom of the press. He seems not to appreciate that journalists roles are to hold power to account and at times seems uh, unwilling to face tough questions. That's true. Okay. All right. We're running out of time here. Um, let's see. We're going to go to that clip from Maxine Wallace in just a minute. Do me a favor. Just cue it up. It started at the one minute mark. Just cue it up at the one minute mark. Also read the article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting myself. April Ryan keeps up security after receiving death threats on the heels of Trump attacks. April Ryan keeps up security after receiving death threats on the heels of Trump's uh, 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 of Trump attacks. Let's go to this clip from Maxine Waters on AM Joy this morning, MSNBC. Like Calabasas and uh, Malibu, uh, we have people who have been evacuated. Thousands have been evacuated. And um, we certainly hope uh, that the firemen can get it under control sometime soon. Yeah, we know that uh, 23 people so far have lost their lives, and we, uh, you know, feel send out incredible condolences to those families. What do you make of the fact that the president blamed it, uh, essentially blamed California and blamed the management of the forests in your state for these fires? Well, you know, the president of the United States uh, attempts to talk about things that he has no knowledge of. He doesn't even understand what goes into fighting a fire. And for him to come out talking about poor management is just another indication that the president is not willing to learn anything. He does not really care about others. And he's on the attack all of the time. Uh, if you listen to the president, he starts out attacking. And so we wish he would keep his mouth shut. California does not need him uh, to be talking about things that he does not know. Uh, we need him to bring people together, to be concerned about the safety of our families. And so, again, it's just another Trump who is, again, reaching in, talking about things that he doesn't understand. And um, we need him to just stay away from us. Yeah. We assume he does, he does understand uh, his past financial dealings and he attacks you a lot. And, and one could surmise that that's perhaps because he's afraid uh, of you and, and the fact that you aren't afraid of him uh, and the fact that you will now uh, wield the gavel on the House Financial Services Committee in all likelihood. Um, you've talked about um, things like impeachment, but you've also more recently talked about things like Deutsche Bank and looking into money laundering. Um, and really, that could get you very close to the Donald Trump finances. Do you intend? I've asked you this before, but what are your intentions as the chairwoman of that committee regarding Donald Trump's finances and his tax returns? Well, first of all, yeah, so let me just say that uh, it is in a very important committee uh, of the House of Representatives with a lot of big issues. Uh, we're working on uh, Dodd-Frank reform issues, trying to make sure that we don't go into another recession. We almost went into a depression in 2008. So first of all, we've got to be concerned about the big financial institutions of America. We also have HUD in that committee. I'm concerned about fair housing and Ben Carson, who has no experience and no background, that's trying to undermine, basically, the most vulnerable people in our society. So I've got to deal with fair housing. We are about to... Okay, guys, we're out of time. Uh, check out that clip, msnbc.com. 
hashtag moment of Maxine from November 11, 2018 from AM Joy, Joy and Reed. In that clip, she also said later in the clip, um, uh, Maxine Waters said that the authority to go after Trump's tax returns, that's the Ways and Means Committee from the House of Representatives, not the House Finance Committee. So she would not have that authority. Um, also, the... Um, uh, Black Legacy uh, Coalition to Save the Progressive Programming at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. The next meeting is uh, November 18th, uh, this Wednesday, was November 14th, November 14th, Wednesday. Uh, Wellness Plan Building, 7700 2nd Avenue, 1st Floor, 7700 2nd Avenue, Wellness Plan Building, 1st Floor, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Come on out. We'll try to get that uh, flyer up at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, look at the article from NewsOne.com. Newly elected Dallas DA says the appropriate charge for Amber Geiger is murder. We'll talk about this next week. We're out of time here. Thanks for listening to the African History Network show. Uh, we have the Mail Trek animated series uh, for our children, teaching them their history at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And we also have that eight-DVD bundle pack, The Africans That Were Here Before Columbus, the Africans that were here before Columbus. Remember, at the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Right now, it's correct for own behavior. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next week. And stay tuned for Pastor Mo. You listen to 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future of radio. So you've decided to go to college. That's cool. So pop quiz, which is a better way to earn your degree? Commute to college and fill your gas tank, get stuck in traffic, drive in bad weather, try to find a parking space, walk a half mile to class, or learn online at Independence University. In the park on a bench, on the beach on a towel, or on your couch with your kid, your campus is wherever you want it to be. You don't go to college. College goes to you. That's Independence. That's Independence University. You schedule classes around your schedule and all your supplies, including a brand new laptop and tablet are included with tuition. At Independence U, you'll learn from professional instructors with real work experience. You'll get personal support in school and employment assistance when you graduate. Get your degree, but keep your life. That's Independence. That's Independence University. So if you're really smart, you call now. Call 1-800-556-7791. Independence U for an independent U. Call 1-800-556-7791. If you or a loved one underwent hernia surgery between 2010 and 2016 and then suffered serious complications, call right now. You may be entitled to financial compensation. Complications associated with FISOMESH include chronic pain, infection, adhesions, mesh migration, reopening of the hernia, and other serious injuries. Call right now. Call 1-800-799-2091. Again, that's 1-800-799-2091. Attention. In July 2018, Bayer announced that it will be halting its sales of Assure. The Assure birth control may break or migrate after insertion, puncturing the fallopian tube, resulting in corrective surgery to remove the device. Thousands of women have reported debilitating health problems to the FDA. In April 2018, the FDA restricted sales of Assure to protect women and required that patients receive risk information. Hey, this is Alex, the App Nerd. I create low-cost, high-quality mobile apps for people like you. Do you want to take your business to the next level by reaching more customers and potential clients? How about making ordering products and scheduling services easier? Does your church or organization want to improve youth participation? Perhaps you want to create a mobile game or dating app and make money off of paid ads. Well, what are you waiting for? Let me help you. 
Go to my site, appinmyhead.com. Request a free quote today. That's appinmyhead.com. What would you do if someone took your real life story and stole it from you, made millions off of it, and got away with it? That is exactly what happened to Shatona Tillman Sr., the real John Q. Being one of the most innovative and prolific writers of his time, his new book, The Nose of Men, The Yes of God, based on a true story, gives chilling testimony of his personal battle for justice against big names like Time Warner and New Line Cinema. In his unapologetic new book, The Nose of Men, The Yes of God, you'll hear about the judges and corrupt lawyers as Shatona Tillman Sr. warns us about the life and the pitfalls in the movie industry. You'll be at the edge of your seat as this book reveals the brutal truth about the theft of the feature film John Q, how Time Warner and New Line Cinema stole his movie, and how he's fighting to get it back. Pick up your very own copy today, The Nose of Men, The Yes of God, based on a true story by Shatonda Tillman Sr. You won't regret it at www.therealjohnq.com. Are you looking to regain your health and vitality? Then visit naturallifeenergy.com. That's naturallifeenergy.com. It is an alkaline, plant-based diet website based on Dr. Sebi's methodology and nutritional guide, which supports the healthy expression of the African black gene, but it benefits everyone. Combat the ill effects of white supremacy that has brainwashed black people into eating foods that support the development of diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. Gain a better understanding of how to use a plant-based diet based on Dr. Sebi's nutritional guide to help heal your body and mind by reading Achillanese book, Alkaline Plant-Based Diet. Learn how to use herbs used in Dr. Sebi's methodology to help address complex diseases like lupus and IBS in his herbal book, Alkaline Herbal Medicine. Alkaline Herbal Medicine. Purchase Achillanese books from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other book retailers. Get your copies today. I know you all watched the movie Black Panther and saw Wakanda and wanted to buy a one-way ticket straight to that magical place. Well, why not? The International Black Book is a cyber Wakanda, a black wonderland. It is well overdue for the black diaspora to come together and build a global community where we can choose to buy black, travel black, and eat black. Place your complimentary listing of your business or agency. You are welcome at internationalblackbook.com, internationalblackbook.com. Sign up today.